Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. All right, welcome to Evangel Church. We're glad that you're here. My name is Pastor Chris. And as you can tell, I'm excited about the Avalanche event on Friday as well, as are a bunch of other people around the room. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to open with me to a few passages of Scripture. The first one is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and then I want you to put a finger there and then also flip over to Hebrews chapter 12 with me. Can we give it up for our worship team and our choir today? Didn't they sound great? Appreciate them. As we round out 2016... Uh, There have just been a few messages that God has put in my heart that I wanted to share with you, and both of them have to do with seasons. They have to do with seasons in time, and you can take down this verse for a second. We're going to read it in just a moment, but they have a lot to do with just the seasons that we walk through, and so last week we shared some, but this week I'm thinking about this idea that, you know, we're all going through different seasons, and I don't know, for some of you, I'm ready for 2016 to be over, maybe. Is that you? Are you ready for there to be a new season? Uh, Ready for 2017 to bring on some new things? You can't wait uh, for that to arrive. Uh, But here's what I know. The Bible says that there is a season uh, for everything in life. Everything under the sun, there is a season uh, for everything. But here's what I take such great comfort in and such great confidence is that God says, Behold, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Regardless of the season, our God is the same. He's the same in every season. He's faithful in every season, and he is able in every season to meet you with power, with whatever it is that you need from him to sustain you no matter what you're walking through. But as we go through seasons, um, I think that not only do we have uh, seasons that we walk through in life, and not only does the world around us have seasons, but the things in our lives have seasons as well. And I've learned this in kind of a humorous way. Uh, My wife and I, once a year, will go through a process that we we just want to clean, like, everything in one area of the house. And so um, a couple of times a year, we'll clean out our entire pantry. We'll go over every shelf. Uh, About once a year, we'll go through our medicine cabinets. Uh, And we'll just go through and we'll just kind of walk through and, and put different things aside. And what we're checking for is if the things that are there are still viable or if they've exceeded their season, right? Because on everything that we own that's, that's edible, that we can put into our body that's consumable, there is a date that's attached to that. And what's that date called? An expiration date. And I want to tell you that uh, every year we find out, and some years if we don't go through it and we wait a little bit longer, if we look in our fridge, we can find something. Uh, it'll be a salad dressing. It'll be something we're ready to put on our steak. Or something. We'll look at it and say, well, that expired like a year and a half ago. Um, and, and, you know, as we always have to check and make sure if it's something that we haven't taken a look at in a long time, it may be past its expiration date. Now, I know there are some of you that are in the house today, you like to play this game with the expiration date, right? How long after the expiration date is it still good? Uh, you're like, is it all right? And, you know, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I've been tempted to look as well. I'm like, ah, I'd say it can't be that bad. Uh, but then you look at something and you're like, 2013? Do I really want to go to the store? Yes, you want to go to the store. You want to go take care of that. Now, it takes, you take it up a notch if you actually go into your medicine cabinet. Maybe you run in, you have a cold, you have something that's uh, you know, ailing you, and you realize you're going to pull something out and take it, and you look, and there's an expiration date on that. And if that expiration date has been exceeded, um, something that was good could actually become toxic. 
something that was uh, good in your fridge, once it passes its expiration date, could become unhealthy for you to consume and to continue to allow around you. Expiration dates are really important. It's important to understand when things around you have expired and need to be discarded. And this is a spiritual principle that we have to understand. It's because when we look at God's word, it says that there's expiration dates on certain things in our lives. And the longer we keep them around after they've expired, the more dangerous they are for us. So let's look together in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Here's what it says. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. What does this say here? It says if you're in Christ, if you have a life-changing relationship with Jesus, that that means you're a new creation. It means that you're brand new. He has changed you from the inside out. And the old things, the old things that are a part of your life, the old things that made up who you were, have what? Passed away. They've expired. And behold, the new things have come. But the problem is <laughs> that there are some that are new creations that haven't let go of the things that have passed away. And we're holding on to too many things that have expired. And those things become dangerous. Those things become unhealthy. And they can even be toxic. And I want you to know that they hold us back from moving forward into all that God has for us. We can't take hold of the new thing that God has for us if something old still has hold of us. Let me say it again. We can't take hold of the new thing that God has for us if the hold thing still has hold of us. It's not that we have hold of it. See, we think that that's the case. We are holding on to some things, some things that aren't healthy, some things that don't please God, some things that have expired. And what you don't realize is the longer you hold on to it, it actually has a hold on you. It's holding you back. It's holding you down. And for some, you want to let go, but it takes hold of you. And so I'm, the title of this message and the title of what I, I'm praying, it's not just a title, but it is my prayer uh, for our time together this morning, is freedom from expired things. Is that God would bring freedom to us from some expired things that have been holding us back uh, from moving into all that God has for us. Here's what Paul says to a group of people in Galatia. Uh, he says to the Galatians, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Jesus lives in me. We are meant to be dead to the old life. We're meant to be dead to some things. Their expiration date has come. And I'm believing that as we stand together today and in God's presence, we can make a declaration and say, Lord, there are some things that now have an expiration date. 1231, 2016, or maybe 1211, 2016. It's expired. It's done. It's behind me. Lord, let me take hold of the new thing that you have for me. And so as we look at this, the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12 begins to talk about this and how those expired things, those things that really are still sticking around that we are holding on to and are holding on to us, they're holding us back from what God has for us, the greater things that God wants to do in our lives. And so let's read together in Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. So let's go back here to the beginning part of Hebrews chapter one, uh, 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounded, surrounding us. And when we look at this passage of Scripture, it really comes at the end um, 
of an incredible chapter. It's a chapter in Hebrews 11 uh, that's a chapter on faith. And faith is this confidence, not in what we can see, not in what we can feel, not in what we can comprehend, but it's a faith in God. It's a faith and a confidence. It's a trust in God even when we can't see him working, even when things don't make sense, even when the path is not clear. It is a confidence in the, in the goodness of God, in the faithfulness of God, that God will come through and he will fulfill everything he promised. Promises. His word is true. That's, that's faith. It's taking God at his word, not leaning on our own word or our own understanding. And it says, by faith, all these incredible things have happened. By faith, people have received back the dead to life. By faith, people have seen walls come crumbling down. By faith, people have seen God's supernatural hand of provision over their lives. And so we see that if we look in scripture, not only do we have just a bunch of stories, but we have a bunch of lives that tell a story about what it looks like when you take God at his word and you have confidence in who he is when you live by faith. And they become witnesses. They become living proof that God is faithful. Now, when we say we're surrounded by that cloud of witnesses, that cloud is here among us as well. Because when you hear uh, me sharing the word or when you see people lifting their hands, when you see people that are amening and saying, yes, that's true, when we share about who God is, do you know why? It's because they've tasted and seen as well. They're living proof. Is there someone in the house today, just as Pastor Rick said, you're a walking miracle. You know you shouldn't be here, but God has done something. He saved you. He's redeemed you. He set you free. And because of that, you are a witness. You're, a wit- you're, you're like, you don't need to look any further than my life to know that God is real because he's done this and he's done this and he's done this. He's saved me and rescued me. And you have story after story that makes you a witness. And so some of you, you're sitting here today and, and this might be new to you or you may be in a completely different place in your life and you don't even know what you're doing in church. And, and as you're doing that or you're watching online, there are people that are all around you. There are a cloud of witnesses. There are a cloud of people that have said, yes, God is faithful. I've seen it firsthand in my life. And said, because of that, the encouragement is to lay aside every encumbrance, everything that hinders you, and to get rid of the sin that so easily entangles you so that you could run with perseverance and endurance the race that's been set before you. Do you realize that God has a path that's been set before each one of us? He has a race that's been marked out for us, and we are called to run that to win. We're called to run it free free from the things that have expired, free from the things that would hold us back, free from anything that would hinder us and trip us up because what he's called us to is too valuable, is too precious, is too great. The life he has for you is so much greater than the life that you left behind. Come on, somebody. It's so much greater. It's so much more powerful. And God has something for you. But are we taking hold of it? Are we walking in the life that he has for us? This is the call that we get from God's word today is to throw off every bit of dead weight that's going to hold us back, that's going to drag us down because we can't get there with it. We can't carry it on the journey. It's going to slow us up too much. Now, I think about the idea of a race being marked out for us, a race being set before us. And I think of Olympic runners. I think about those that... um, have this as their life's goal. They're, they're worrying about everything that they eat, everything that they do, every bit of training that goes into it. For them, a race comes down to, think about someone like Usain Bolt, a race for him, the race marked before him, is down to a fraction of a second. Makes all the difference for him. And it's because of what he's been called to and what he has committed his life to is so precious, is so valuable, that even a fraction of a second makes so much of a difference. Do you realize 
that what God has called you to and the race he's marked out for you is more precious than the race he's marked out in this life. For anyone that runs in any Olympic event, what he has for us is so valuable that are his children, that are his people. He's marked it out for us. But are we living with a sense of urgency? And are we living with that sense of purpose that we just understand how urgent it is and how valuable what he's called us to is? I believe for some of us, we're held back and we're stuck because we've stopped valuing what God has for us. And we've stopped maybe taking him at his word. And maybe for you today, you feel stuck. You feel hindered. You feel held down and bogged down. I'm believing today that God's word is true, that his spirit is here among us. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's going to be freedom for somebody. Freedom to walk. Freedom to run like you haven't before. Freedom to lay aside the things that have been hindering you so that you could run completely free towards everything that God has for you. Everything he has for you in 2017 and beyond. I'm believing that as we close out this year, that we can enter into 2017 and it could be the best year that you've ever experienced a year full of God's presence a year full of freedom full of peace full of all that you have been desiring for some of you the greatest gift that you want to receive this year for Christmas can't be bought in any store you need peace you need freedom you need things that are weighing you down you need to be free of the burdens that you've been walking with that's what God wants to bring you that's what we can experience this year and it can set us free so that we could run unhindered into all God has in story in the new, the new season he's leading us to. So there are three areas that I believe that we need to identify and, and look at when we can see three things that create weight and resistance and hindrance in our lives. And so let's take a look at those together. The first, it's one that the Bible speaks clearly about, and we see it a lot. It's about the weight of sin. It says it right there in the verse, let us throw off every hindrance, every encumbrance, everything that's weighing us down, the sin that so easily entangles us. So the first thing that you need to look at is you need to look to God's word and look at yourself and say, is there a weight of sin that has been holding me back? Sin is missing the mark. Sin is knowing the way that we should go and really turning the other way. It's, it's, there's sins that we can do that we know what God would have of us, and we have knowingly turned away from it. There are other sins that we may not even be aware of, things that we've done in we don't even know, but they have not pleased the heart of God. There's been ways that maybe you've acted, you've been living that are really not up to God's standard for your life. And so the more that you get to know him, the more that you read his word, the more that you pray, you may start to feel this tinge on your heart. You may feel it pull and you may feel a burden. And as you pray about that, it may be that there's some area of sin, something that means that you have broken God's law, you've broken his way. Sin is falling short of what God has for us and choosing something different than what God has called us to in his word. And so the weight of sin is something that will hold us back. Sin for us is ultimately uh, found whenever there is an abuse of freedom. We're free to live this life. We're called, though, to live in relationship with God. But we're not robots. We can make free choices about how, what we do and how we do it. And in that freedom... If it's abused, there can be the overstretching, the overreaching into areas that don't please God, taking hold of things that we may think are no big deal, taking part in things like gossip, engaging in viewing things that you think have no impact on anyone, but you don't realize the impact they're having on you and on your heart, taking part in the way that you talk in ways that don't please God, things that you know, lying, stealing, things that you may think are just little Little issues, but you don't realize they're affecting you. They're compromising you, and they're holding you back. 
whatever it might be. There are things, and I, and I would allow even in this moment, the Holy Spirit comes to, to really lead us towards truth and to reveal these things, not so that we feel bad or guilty, but so that we could see and understand he leads us into truth. He exposes lies. He exposes even sin in our hearts so that we could walk in a way that pleases God. But there's a weight that comes with sin that burdens you, that weighs you down, and can cause you to become stuck. There's nothing that will hold you back so quickly from all that God has for you than the weights of sin that they attach to your life. That's the enemy. He knows that. And what he wants to do is he wants to bring those things into your life to stop your progress or to send you backwards. I think about the prodigal son. I think about this, this boy, this brother, who wanted everything from his father. He wanted everything that was his, his inheritance. He took it, and he ran off to a city, and he squandered everything. He really sinned against his father. He disgraced him. He did what was wrong. And there he was in a pit, a feeding area for pigs, in the mud, in the filth, wishing he could feed himself with the food that the pigs are eating, which was unclean in that society for a Jewish man. And as he's sitting there, he comes to his senses and he realizes just how far he had fallen from his father's house. He said, my father's servants don't even live this way and look at me. There's nothing like sin to drag you away from the purpose and the place that God has for you. God has prepared a place for you. He's prepared a path for you. But it's sin that will continue to push you backwards, hold you back from moving forward. And so with that, God promises something. He promises freedom. He promises the ability to cast it off, to lay it aside, and to cut Everything that would entangle you. I think about entangling. I think about vines. I think about chains, things that can wrap you up and trip you up. When you're running, you may think carrying these things are no big deal. You may be carrying a weight of sin, something that you haven't confessed to the Lord, something that you're continuing to allow in your life, and you think it's no big deal. Well, think about that. Think about Usain Boulder, one of the Olympic athletes running with ankle weights on. Yeah, I'm sure they could probably still beat most of us in a race. But when you think about it, they're being held back from their true potential. They're being held back from all that they could be. The weight that they're carrying is an unnecessary weight, and it's a hindering weight. It's something that's going to hold them back. And in the end, it's going to make all the difference for them. The same is true in our lives. As we walk, there are things, if we're carrying them, we don't realize the thing that we're holding on to is holding us and holding us back from all God has for us. And so it might be that, that you're holding on to something like that. Today's a day where you're going to be able to find freedom. You're going to be able to find complete freedom to walk in it and to walk away from it. And for some, it's been a part of your life for so long, and you've wanted nothing more than to be free of the weight of that sin. And as you let go of it, it just continues to come back. It comes back. And I believe that that's sin that so easily entangles. Its greatest leash is temptation. Its greatest tentacles that come out, the, the, the vines that will come and wrap around you, it's that temptation. It's so easy. There are things that you may be so prone to fall into. And there it is at every turn waiting to grab you up again. What would it look like to be free? What would it look like to experience that freedom completely from whatever it is? I don't know, but the Lord does. So identifying that, realizing it, and finding freedom could mean everything for what God has for you. A freedom that you've never experienced before, but it starts with being free of the weight of sin. The second area that is a weight that becomes something that holds us back and hinders us is not something you hear about a lot. In church, it's not something you hear a lot of messages on, but it's so vitally important. And I'm going to call it this, the weight of unhealthy attitudes. The weight of unhealthy attitudes. 
An attitude is a disposition that you take based upon something that's happened to you or something that's about to happen. It normally manifests itself in some kind of behavior. And there's a weight that becomes associated when we have the wrong attitude, when we take the wrong attitude with what's happening around us or even what's happened to us. That can hold us back more than we would ever really know. There are some people you've been around them and their attitude, have you felt it that their attitude can just take all the air out of the room? You walk in, you're like, hey, well, you know, hey, this is, oh, no, no, it's not, that's not going to go well. It's going to fail. This isn't going to work out. And their attitude is just so wrong. It's, it's like they're focused on all of the wrong things. And normally there's maybe some things that they've had experience with that have caused them to see things in that way. But those unhealthy attitudes, we never realize how much they can hold us back and hold us down. I've heard one person say it like this. They said that your attitude determines your altitude. Uh, your attitude will determine your altitude. How far you could rise and where you could go is really based a lot on your attitude, how you behave, and the disposition that you take. And for us, whether you know it or not, God's Word actually speaks about this, about how we are to conduct ourselves, even the disposition we're meant to have, the types of attitudes we are meant to conduct our lives with. Even those things matter to the heart of God. We want to walk free, and we want to be free from expired things. Well, there's a way of living. There's a way of having attitudes that are a part of our old self, and God has called us to a new way of living. And it's says this in Philippians chapter 2. As Paul's talking to these believers in Philippi, he says, therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit in any affection or compassion, then make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And here's what he says. Do nothing of selfish ambition or empty conceit. In humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. In verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Our attitude now isn't meant to be uh, the attitude of those around us. The attitude that we take isn't on how the world responds to the things that are happening to them or happening around them. Our attitude at all times should be the same as the attitude of Christ. It was one of humility. It was one where it says, him being of the likeness of God, he humbled himself even to the point of death and death on a cross. But now he's received the name that is above every name. We are called to have his attitude. We are called to have that disposition in our hearts. It says in um, Colossians 3 that we should clothe ourselves with compassion and love. and we, we, we should literally be putting that on. Whenever you see someone, their attitude is in the wrong place. If it's unhealthy, it's like they've clothed themselves with something that just detracts people, pushes people away. It holds them back and holds them down. For us, we're called by God's word to have a certain type of attitude. The same as Christ, one of humility. And I believe the greatest attitude that we can have is one that we see reflected all over God's word. It's a, the attitude that those who have been set free and saved from their sins have. It's the attitude we see written in the book of Psalms as we think about the goodness of the Lord. And it is an attitude of gratitude. 
We need to have an attitude of gratitude for all that God has done for us. Nothing keeps you humble like reflecting on the grace of God in your life. Nothing keeps you grounded other than looking at where you could be without God going before you. And if we have that, that life that's filled with thanksgiving, Lord, I praise you for what you've done for me. Are you with me, church? I praise you for your goodness. I praise you for the many ways that you've worked in my life. That's my attitude, Lord. I'm not looking at everything else. I'm not looking to everyone else. I'm not allowing the world around me to change what's going on in me. Lord, my heart is thankful for all that you've done. Lord, I'm hopeful that you're working on my behalf. You know, I think that sometimes we don't realize that our attitude and the way that we respond to things can actually be hurtful and harmful to us and to others. And there's a question that you should ask yourself. Is my attitude today, Lord, is it hopeful, hopeful in you? See, the Bible says we've been born again into a living hope. And we have that hope as an anchor for our soul. There's no storm that can uproot the hope that we have in Christ. It's an anchor for our soul. So every day and in every circumstance, we have a reason to have hope. We have hope beyond hope because we have a living hope who's Christ. And so in that hope, we, we have it. And so in everything, we can have an attitude that's filled with hope. So is my attitude today hopeful or is it hurtful? Is it going to be filled with hope, trusting in you, Lord, or is it actually hurtful? Is it, is it going to push others away? Is it actually going to hold me back? Is it going to be a hindrance in my life? And whenever we think about this attitude, it normally comes because of things that have happened to us. And here's what I'll say, that there are things that happen to us that we have no control over at all. There are things that happen that we have no control over, but we always have control over how we respond to those things. We may not have been able to control what happened and who did it and what took place, but we have control over how we respond to those things. And for us, we, in our own strength, we can't do it. We'll always respond the wrong way. But I'm so thankful that if Jesus is Lord of our lives, and if he's our example, and if he goes before us, then no matter what has happened to us, we can respond in a way that gives God glory, in a way that honors him, in a way that Jesus has called us to. And he can give us the strength in every season, in every circumstance, no matter what has happened to us, and he can redeem it through us looking at him and looking to him and keeping our eyes on him through it. And so the weight of unhealthy attitudes is something that becomes a hindrance. It holds us back more than we'll ever know or even be able to admit. The third one is this, the weight of distractions in our lives. The weight of distractions. Nothing will get you more off course than just getting distracted. You know, I've heard it said like this, if the enemy's coming at us and he can't get us to sin and he can't get us to fall and he can't get us to give up from the hardships, he just has to get us busy enough and distracted enough to keep us off course. So he's going to throw everything at it, and one of the last things he'll do is just busyness. Some of you are saying, oh, I know it. I, I thought this busyness was from hell. It is. This busyness is terrible. Um, and this busyness is something that happens. It's a distraction at times. We can become so overburdened by all the worries of life, by all the things that are happening, that it keeps us off course. And it becomes a weight holding us back. I want to tell you, if you have to wake up every day and you have to go through a list and the first thing you're doing is going through a list of all the different things that you have to do and all the places you have to go and all, you know what you do? You become distracted from knowing the first place you have to be is at his feet. And if you're not there first because you're so busy and so distracted, then you wonder, why don't I have peace? Why am I filled with anxiety? Why aren't things going the way that I want to? It's like because I become distracted from the main thing. 
Remember Martha and Mary. She got busy with all those different good things. Said, Martha, Martha, what you're doing is good. But what she's doing is the best. It's the greatest. It's the only thing that matters in the end. And for us, if we're going to walk the race, if we're going to walk in a way that God would want us to, it starts at his feet. It starts with looking to him, hearing from him. It says in, in um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the author. He's the one writing your story. And if you're not looking to him, if your eyes aren't fixed on him because they're so distracted, you'll miss it. You'll miss what he's doing. You'll miss the divine appointments he's bringing into your life. And the enemy relishes nothing more than this, than to get you off course and to get you distracted. And it says, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before me endured this, the cross, despising the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So for him, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus, not become distracted. There are things that are happening in this life that will distract us. There are things that are happening on your phone and social media and the world around you. They become a distraction. For some of you know what this is like. You sit down and say, All right, I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. You bring up the Bible app on your phone, then a Facebook notification, <laughs> then Facebook a half an hour. Then you're, then you're off to the next thing you forgot what you were even meant to do, right? Come on, am I speaking anyone's language? I used to only be talking to young adults when I was doing that. Now I was talking to everyone. You're like, yes, I know exactly what you're saying. You're like, what did I sit down to do again? We become distracted. We're so easily distracted in this life. And I believe that that becomes one of the things, rabbit trails. So we have a race that's marked out before us, but there's so many rabbit trails that we're being led down. And we're running all over the place. See, if the enemy can't get you to sin, and he can't get the weight of sin on you, if he can't get the weight of unhealthy attitudes, which ultimately, if those things happen to you and you're not processing, if you become offended, you know what happens? Bitterness can seep in. There are things that come in and they literally poison you. They poison your disposition. You stop responding. And if you find that, that you have, uh, you know, continually been responding in a way and you just feel like your, your attitude has grown so sour, you know what might have happened? You may have ingested something that's been expired, something you were supposed to let go of a long time ago, but that offense has gone so deep in you now, it's poisoned you. And today, now, you can't see anything the same way. It's changing the way that you're seeing, the changing the way that you're viewing. You can't see things the way that you once did. You may need to be set free from that. And today, I believe that God could set you free from something expired that's been around in your life, completely free from it. But we've got to get our eyes back on him. So this weight of distraction, if he can't get you to fall into the weight, the weight of sin, if he can't put those weights of unhealthy, um, different types of attitudes in your life, then what he'll do is he'll put the weight of distraction on you. And he'll keep you busy on the good thing because he knows and God knows that he's been preparing the great thing for you all along. And for some of us, we are so afraid to let go of the good thing because it's the best we've ever known. You don't realize that God has something greater. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. It hasn't even entered in the hearts of man what he's prepared for you. But you are just so distracted by this good thing in front of you that you can't take hold of the great thing that he's preparing for you in the next season. And it becomes a distraction. You know, if we hold on to expired things for too long, they become, uh, they become distractions to us. And I think about uh, this story. I shared it with our staff this week about Elisha and Elijah. Elijah was this amazing prophet that was used by the Lord, and he's traveling one day, and he's heading on in the plan that God had and the calling God had on his life. And as he's doing it, there's another man named Elisha, and he's plowing the fields for his family. He has 12 uh, pairs of oxen that are going before him. And he has, this signifies money, this signifies wealth and stature. He's there. 
And then Elijah walks over and throws the mantle over him. This signifies he's been called to follow him. Instead, Elijah says, well, let me go and let me tell my parents. Elijah says, do what you, whatever you must. And what Elijah then did was he took all the oxen, he got rid of them. He ends up slaughtering the two oxen that are in front of him. He burns his plows and he cooks the oxen over them. This signifies that he is completely walking away from the good thing that he had been doing. There was nothing sinful and nothing wrong with that. There's nothing against someone doing that and plowing the fields and doing it. But for him, he realized, I'm all in. There's no going back. There's no turning back from what God has prepared for me. And he signifies that by burning the plows and walking away from the good thing. For some of you, God's calling you to a burn the plow moment because he has something greater for you. Are you willing to walk in it? Are you willing to come to that point of surrender to actually take hold of it? Because I want to tell you, you he can't put the new thing in your hand if you're holding on to the old thing. He can't put it there. And you're holding on to the good thing. You can't take hold of the God thing, the great thing that he has in store for you. And so for some things, you become distracted and comfortable, and God's going to shake you out of that and help you to see it, that today I'm going to run free, that, that this good thing has an expiration date on it, and maybe it's past, and it's time for me to take hold of the new thing that you have for me. I invite Pastor Rick and the worship team to come forward. So we've identified these three areas. We see the weight of sin, we see the weight of unhealthy attitudes, and we see the weight of distractions getting off course. And if these are those three areas, there are some steps that we can take to actually find this freedom, freedom from these expired things. And so I want to walk you through those, and then I want to give us some time this morning before we close out to actually really spend time in God's presence, asking him to give us freedom in these areas. So there are three things that you need to do today. The first thing is you need to identify what the sins and the weights might be. You need to identify them become aware of them. Are they outright sins? Are they sins that you're even unaware of and you've kind of been minimizing and realize, God, this doesn't please your heart? Are they weights? Are they these things that are even good in your life that, that have just become a distraction for you? Is there an attitude that you have that you feel like, man, there's bitterness has spoiled my spirit? I've, I've, I've been hurt in some way and because of that, I feel like my attitude has just changed so much and today I need to be free from that. So identify whatever it is. That's the first step. The second is to confess and repent of those things. Whenever we confess, it literally means to speak the same. In other words, it means to call it like God sees it, not just like you see it. Because what we do is we have a good way of minimizing, right, things. Well, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Don't see it through your eyes. See it through God's eyes. Is it a big deal to God? Is it something he says you can't do that? You can't entertain that in your life? Confess whatever that is. Lord, I've been living this way. Lord, I've allowed bitterness to fill my heart. Lord, I've allowed uh, unforgiveness to show up. Uh, Lord, I, I've been looking in these things that I shouldn't be looking at. Lord, I've been sinning in this way. Lord, God, I've been lying. I've been cheating. I've been doing whatever it might be. Lord, my, my, the way I've been speaking hasn't been honoring you. Call it for what it is. Confess it. Say it as God sees it, not as you see it. But call it as God sees it. Acknowledge it. And when you're doing that, you're also taking responsibility. Lord, I've done this. We don't come to God and just give him our excuse. Well, I did it because I'm going through it. No, you just come, Lord, this is it. Lord, I've done it. This is, this is where I'm at. And you don't come to him as someone that's holding um, judgment over you, that's looking to punish you and hold you back. But you come to him like a loving father who's ready to wrap his arms around you. He's waiting 
He's waiting to forgive you. He's waiting to take that weight off of you. But until you're willing to acknowledge that it's a problem, he's not going to come and just pull it off of your shoulders because you're holding on to it. But when you confess it, it's that first step. Then repent of it. To repent of it means that you're turning away from it. And go ahead and bow your heads with me in your hearts right now in this moment. Begin to pray, even as I'm saying this. What do you need to confess and what do you need to repent of? To repent means to literally turn. It's that you're turning away from it. You're turning your back on it. See, when we sin, when we choose not to honor God's heart and to do that which God says we shouldn't do, we're turning our back on God and turning ourselves towards that. But when you turn to God in repentance, you're turning your back on whatever that is and you're turning towards God again. So it doesn't matter how big or how small that is, God sees it the same. And today, just turn away from that. Turn towards God. And finally, be filled with His Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. Once we've done that, once we've turned, it says if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done. Nothing, no height, no depth, no great uh, sin. There's nothing that you can do that will separate you from the love of God. If you're willing to confess and repent, God is always willing to forgive you again and again and again. He's so faithful and his mercies are new every single morning for you. But you have to come to him with a heart that's sincere, turning from it. And then you could be filled with his spirit. This is what he promised through Ezekiel and through other prophets. He said, I'm going to put my spirit in them and I'm going to write my law in their hearts. I'm going to change their hearts from the inside out and I'm going to put my spirit in them and I'm going to cause them to walk in my ways. I want you to know today, you can't walk in the way that God has for you by your own strength, by your own might, by the power of positive thinking, by anything out there, by any book that's been written other than God's word. He's the only one. There's only one name and one person that you can turn to today that will give you the power to walk in complete freedom. His name is Jesus. And he gives his Holy Spirit so that you can have the power to walk out your freedom every single day. And so you ask him, Lord, just fill me with your presence. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to walk in a brand new way. You can't do it by your own power, by your own strength, but God's word says this, by my spirit, says the Lord. And so today as you're praying through this and you're beginning to consider what these areas are, I want you to actually acknowledge them. Acknowledge them right now in God's presence. The person next to you doesn't need to hear it. You can say this in your own heart, but say it to the Lord. Speak it right now out. And Lord, identify these areas that I believe have been holding me back from what you have for me. Lord, I ask you today, Lord, I ask you to come in and to forgive me of them. Lord, I confess that they're wrong. I confess that they're wrong in your sight. I confess, Lord God, that I become distracted. Whatever it might be, acknowledge whatever area you feel like there's a weight that's been holding you back. Lord, I confess that to you right now. Lord, I repent of it. Lord, I turn away from it. I turn my back on that, Lord, and I turn towards you. And Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your forgiveness and for your mercy over my life. Holy Spirit, come, and Lord, fill me up again. 
Lord, I feel dry. Come and fill me up again. Fill me with a fresh passion. Fill me with the strength I need to live out this walk. Lord, fill me with everything I need to run and not grow weary. Fill me with what I need today, Lord, that I can be free from all of these things. Holy Spirit, come right now and bring freedom in your house, Lord. There's some that are here today, Lord, that need that freedom like never before. And if that's you, call out to him. Open your heart to him. Ask him right now to bring that to you. So, Lord, we thank you today for that freedom. Holy Spirit, come and fill hearts and fill lives in Jesus' name. There's some of you today that you can't take any of these steps yet because you've never taken the first step and you've never gotten your life right with God by asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to give you a brand new life. And today, I want to just give you an opportunity to pray a prayer with me. It's a prayer that will change your life. It's you coming to Jesus and asking to forgive you of your sins. Your sins have weighed you down. They've shamed your past. But today, there's forgiveness in the name of Jesus. And everyone who calls upon his name will be saved, the Bible says. So if you're saying this for the first time or for the first time in a long time, you've been far from God and you're coming home to him today, I want you to repeat these words after me. Repeat them from the bottom of your heart and everyone can say this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins that have separated me from you. I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for me. And so today, Lord, I turn from my sins and I follow after you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. I want to ask you right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to acknowledge today because the Lord says if you acknowledge before me, then I'll acknowledge you before the Father. And so today, if this was the first day that you've ever made that decision, that you just accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or today you've come back to him after being away from him for a long time with no one looking around, just lift your hand right now so I know that that's you right now. If that's you, just lift your hand right above your head. Acknowledge if you made that decision today to accept Jesus. Praise God. Can we celebrate with us? I see a few hands going up around the room. Praise God. We praise God and praise God. God says heaven rejoices when one turned to him. And today we're rejoicing with heaven. And today I want to encourage you, don't leave today without letting someone know that you've just made the greatest decision of your life. We'd be so pleased to help you walk out that decision and walk with Jesus every day of your life. Church, would you stand with me today? And can we just take a moment, can we just celebrate the freedom that God's going to bring into our lives into this season? We're going to sing a final song, a closing song. I'd invite you to just enter in. If you still need to experience that, you can come to these altars. But let's let freedom reign in this house today. Let's know that today that God has the power to break down every chain that holds us back, to break everything that's going on. And today, may we leave here with a brand new song, a song of freedom, a song of what God has done in our lives in a completely new way of living, walking into all that God has for us in 2017. Amen? Amen. Let's enter this final song of worship before we close out.